Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith. And uh, with me on the show this time, I have our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger. Hello, Alan. Hi, Danny. Great to be back again. And uh, we've got uh, four different subjects for health matters today. Uh, Uh, Yes. Uh, So what are we looking at today? What are we looking at? We're looking at hay fever virtual hospitals the children in the jungle in in colombia uh, but we're going to start off with some new facilities that are coming at uh, the St. Albans city hospital so um, people living close to the hospital recently have um, have had some letters from the uh, from nhs about this development i think maybe you have too <laughs> yes yes one of my properties is near near the hospital and yes uh, i had a letter through about that so um, well, let's let's just dig into exactly what what, what it is because it's fascinating and, and a really significant development at the city hospital, um, and it's going to open within um, within months. So it's going to open April twenty four. So uh, le- <laughs> that's almost a year. It's within less, months sounds like it's September. Well, it's less less than a year. So it's, okay. it's within months. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is called an elective hub. So what, what they're doing is they're using the the operating theatres in St Albans um, and creating new wards behind that for people to, for before the operation and after, and reception facilities. Um, and they're going to be operating there as, as this elective hub. And that's, this is going to be for the whole of Hertfordshire and West Essex. It's not just, just for local people. Um, and this is really designed to, to, to just clear the, the, that waiting list a little bit. Um, and the idea is that, so anyone from um, across, the, across the territory could be referred to that hub. They will then have a guaranteed slot. It won't be delayed or for anything. It'll be a guaranteed slot coming up in the, in the in very close to the, um, the, the date. Um, they don't have to take it. They can still stay in the in, in their local. So if they're in, say, uh, Saw Bridgeworth and want to go to Princess Alexandra in, in Harlow, they still can. But they'll have a guaranteed date at St Albans that it can be done. And they're really looking at sort of fairly minor operations. So things like cataracts, uh, hips and knees, um, tonsils and things like that. So they'll, they'll, people will be coming in first thing in the morning, be done in the morning sessions. Um, and then people will be coming in in the afternoon session. So they're really looking at it as quite a high production um, facility. Okay. But I think it's a great investment for, and a great endorsement of the city hospital to be able to provide that sort of facility right across the region. And am I right that you're actually building this yourself? You're, you're, you're the man making this happen? <laughs> well, I'm part of the team that's making it happen. It's, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not doing any... So a small, a small stretch for comedic purposes, but, but you are involved with it, aren't you? You are part of the team putting this together, aren't you? Absolutely. There um, you go. And um, we're, we're working at the moment, put a survey together. I want to talk about that a little bit more next month. Uh, and give everyone a chance to uh, respond to that survey. But it's really a fascinating development, I think, and um, and sort of being done in double-quick time. Okay. Any truth to the rumour it's going to be known as the Bellinger Hub? <laughs> None at all. Right. 
don't know the, they, they, I wanted to name it after my dog Amira but I, they not, didn't accept that one they won't go in that either oh sorry about that Amira's sat here very patiently at the moment <laughs> saying well, are you going to hurry up I want a treat but, uh, okay so yeah we'll have more news for that I guess as, as plans develop absolutely I'll keep you up to date and um, I, I say I think it's just fascinating that we've got an investment like that at the city hospital no, absolutely They're great for our area okay now uh, you want to talk a bit about this recent news story about the children that were found uh in the jungle that had um, survived a plane crash is that that's, right that's right yes i thought um, it's it's been referred to as a, a miracle that these children lasted for 40 days and um, that saying it was a miracle made me interested i wanted to dig into it a little bit more so um let's just let's remind ourselves of the story that the, that there's the four children um they were in a plane with um their mother the pilot and uh, uh, another adult uh, the plane crashed in the Colombian jungle. Um, the pilot and the other adult died. The mother died fairly soon after the crash. Um, but in it as well, there were four, four children. Lucy, age 13, um, together with Soluni, age 9, and 4, and Christian, who at the time was 11 months. And, and, and so these four children, the mother, before she died, stressed to Lucy, the eldest one, that um, she should look after the children. Um, and she did indeed, and they were in the jungle for over 40 days. And just amazing, I think, that, that they could do such a thing. So uh, how did they get away with it? Well, well, the, um, the, yes, I guess we, we need to sort of establish the fact, first of all, that these weren't children from, well, they were they they were relatively local would that relatively be right? local indigenous to that region so they would and have some sort of instinctive advantage exactly you know we're not talking about about four kids from Marshallswick you know who have to survive in a jungle for 40 days we're talking yeah. about people who who maybe have some sort of understanding of their environment that's right because they 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 they're given that understanding from an early age by by their parents by stories that they're told by experiences they have and so they can they can pick out what what they want to eat and what's what's edible and what's not edible um, and even even down to this the, the child recognizing Lucy recognizing how to sustain an infant to 11 month old infant over that period but it, but also things in, like in, in knowing that, what to eat because you know, there, there's all right. You can live off of the land in a, a way, but you've also got to know what you can't eat. You exactly. Know, you know, you like in this country. You know, we talk about like mushrooms, but so many of the mushrooms that are around are actually poisonous, yes. whereas some of them are completely edible. But you've got to know the difference. In, Precisely, you and need, you've got to have good foraging skills. For yeah, that. if you're going out in the woods and picking picking mushrooms, then you better make sure you've got someone with you yeah. that, that knows the tricks. Um, because it could end in a disaster really, absolutely so 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 you know ha- having that sort of skill being able to um tell the difference between what you can eat and what you can't uh, and also you know i guess trapping animals and and uh, how to how to know how to get um water that you can drink exactly um look, and, and the other thing that's fascinating i think is that girls at a very young age brought up to understand that in effect we would term them surrogate mothers that they could be took called into motherhood at any point in time right so that when the mother sort of passed the mantle as it were to the to lucy um the 13 year old it was in 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 their culture i mean that's just something that could happen any day of the world but but also i guess in a jungle you've also got to look out for 
what it's not just surviving it's also avoiding being attacked or eaten i would have thought exactly i mean you've got you've got snakes and jaguars and those sorts of things that you've, you've got to avoid um one i think th- i'd have lasted about 25 minutes <laughs> really that long <laughs> Well, there's a lot of me. If they started eating it, it'd take them a while. <laughs> but I just, I just thought it was a fascinating story. It was, it was a miracle in many ways. But, but actually, by by being indigenous children, by being brought up in in the way they were, um, they they had some good survival skills. And there's there's some, a really good um, article on this. It's in the blog. It's well worth a read because it, it really un- sort of pins down exactly what happened to those children and, and how they survived. And uh, it's, it's, that's well worth a read. It's in the blog. It's in the, the article for this session. Yes, it's an article from a, a very good uh, source online called theconversation.com. Well worth checking that website out. Lots and lots of very interesting news stories on there exactly. and features. But yes, it, it's truly fascinating. And also, when you explain it the way you have, it is less of a miracle how four children survived 40 days. To me, the, the miracle was that they survived the crash. Given exactly. that the adults on board died... Yes. You know that—that's the miracle. That, that that surely, how did they survive the crash alone? You know, but but yeah, praise be that they uh, that they made it out. And well, it's a wonderful story. And it I is. Just, I just think it's just 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 brilliant. Stuff. And I can only imagine how Hollywood is fighting over itself for the film rights. <laughs> the, the, you you just know it, don't you? This is going to become a film at some point. Their, their survival will become a will become a, 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 some sort of film or TV special or something, won't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there you go. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the story about those uh, those children that survived the air crash in the jungle. Now um, you promised us a virtual hospitals update. Yeah, so um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a um, on a webinar, national webinar, uh, lots of healthcare professionals and and me as the so-called patient rep, telling telling people what was what it was like in a virtual hospital from a patient's perspective, and um, I just thought it was it's well worth updating you on on what's going on, what's happening here. I've I've said to because uh, I'm on the steering board for. Um, the virtual hospitals in, uh, in 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 our area, and um, I, I just I said to someone the other week that if, if ever if ever I was on um, a, a million a million no, not a millionaire mastermind if ever I was on mastermind my specialist subject was going to be virtual wards because uh, I've I've got I've got well involved in them but let's let's just sort of say what what, what is a virtual ward. Um, the whole concept is that you you can recover at home, and you'll have to d- deliver to your home the sort of devices that you would need to, to be monitored. And typically, it's a thermometer, a blood pressure machine, an oximeter to measure the oxygen in the blood. But then it can get down to specialist devices like if it's diabetes, to be able to have a freestyle Libra or something like that for you to. Uh, your, so it's the your kind house. of things that if you go and visit somebody in hospital, you often notice that they've got wires trailing off of them and there's normally some sort of display screen near them with numbers and it's beeping and it's monitoring, isn't it? It's monitoring it, all it's, those different it's, it's things. It's all of that monitoring. And it, yeah, in a hospital, it's called the OBS, you know, the observations yeah. where they come around and do their, 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 their 
regular checks because the check the, the frequency will vary depending on the severity I, I visited somebody recently who had a fall uh, in the town centre a few weeks ago and I know that the gentleman and he was in hospital for about a week being monitored and the screen was divided into four and one of them had I think his blood it had his his pulse rate on it and it was monitoring his his, 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 his sort of heart activity and one was something to do with his breathing I think and one was something to do with oxygen and there was a fourth square that just had question marks in it and he <laughs> said to me I'm not sure what that one is and I said oh that's monitoring your brain activity <laughs> all good systems yeah. but these, these are much more um, standalone systems that you'd have in the home and they connect to your phone and, and the readings are just uploaded to a a team at the hub to monitor you and if everything's going well they'll they'll keep you going as you are but they can escalate it if things are getting worse or they can uh, recognize that because you're improving they can do it less frequently and then obviously ready for discharge at the end so what happens then if you have somebody who um then perhaps has a complication how what happens next with with that the, if they have a complication because because you effectively had had a problem in hospital and uh, you've been you've been checked over, and now you're back home. Um, so I was trying to lead Alan into a, into a bit that he'd written, and he didn't quite pick up what I'd led him into. That, that paragraph is what I was sort of <laughs> leading you into there, because you've actually got an example of somebody that had was monitor, being monitored in this way, and then did have a complication. I wanted you to to go through the stages of what happened and how quickly they were dealt with. Okay, so um, we've, we 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 have jumped a little bit. We've, oh, sorry. In, in the main, in the main, the virtual hospital is a step-down facility. So if something happens in hospital, you, you, if you have to go to hospital, for example, with pneumonia, um, then very quickly you're stabilised, and then you'll be kept in hospital just to be monitored for a few days. And so, why not have those few days where you're monitored? at home rather than in hospital you'll recover faster you'll you'll have you enjoy your life much much more than in hospital think of that hospital food um and um and it's, a, it's it's that sort of way so it is a step up facility but also it's a step down facility oh, sorry that's step down there's yeah. also a step up step up is when uh the, the case of a lady that i spoke to the other week um she was she was having some swallowing difficulties at home um, and uh, an ambulance came and checked her over. Um, and rather than take her to hospital, they arranged for her to, to have uh, remote monitoring. And so the remote monitoring took over and um, she was being checked. The GP who was monitoring her was concerned and then did a, a home visit, recognised that actually she did have a very bad um, problem with the throat, and needed to go into hospital and therefore was taken into hospital so so that's the escalation procedure okay. i thought that was important to draw out because i can imagine a criticism of something like this is saying well that's fine that you monitor me at home but then what happens if something goes wrong if i'm in hospital and suddenly my heart starts doing a different rhythm or, or something or other people run in and deal with you but if you're at home how how long is it before they find your rotting corpse but <laughs> what you're saying is that that's that's nonsense you are being monitored albeit you're, remotely you are being monitored and, and the and, and therefore you'd, be, you'd either be able to go into hospital yourself or with your own transportation or they get an ambulance to you very quickly and you get straight into hospital and you'd be straight in, you're not in the, the waiting room because you are actually in the system already. I mean, really, the, the way that we do things, is all, it's all very historic, isn't it? We're, the, the, someone's sick, we, we put them in a big room with loads of other sick people 
And and if we were inventing hospitals today, with today's technology, we we probably wouldn't start with that. We would start with this. Exactly. We would start with this, and then we'd consider, you know, is it more urgent? Is is the is there a need for quicker intervention? And then you might think, right, well, we'll put those people into a space where there's doctors and nurses and and support. But uh, but you know, the actual because also there's. A, you know, look at look at the number of people who come out of hospital worse than when they went in because they've caught superbugs and they've exactly. you know these sorts of things. It's it, it, yeah, there's a lot of sense in actually if you can be treated at home and yep. you can save having to go through the the ordeal of going to a hospital, mm. then then great. You know, and, not good for everyone, but for a lot mm. of people. And the sort of reaction that we get from patients that have, have done it is, yeah. Firstly, they'll always say it's the food. Thank goodness I want good food again. Sleep, but, sleep's the thing. I've heard people complain absolutely. about as well. Second to the food, having to having to get up at five o'clock in the morning for and so on, and uh, and the noise all night. Said, oh, people were screaming and yep. shouting, and you kept hearing the doctors and nurses. <laughs> well, probably not doctors anymore in hospitals, but hearing <laughs> nurses come in and out, and yep. then they they check your blood. They wake you in the middle of the night to check your blood pressure, and <laughs> and it's all of that, and it just disturbs. And you're not in your own bed. Mm. It disturbs everything. So it's. It, it really is quite beneficial from a patient point of view. Yeah. You know, just to say, you know, I've, I've got my pets around me, I've got my friends. Um, like they're the sort of things that will always come out. Um, and, and then, the, but the concern from every patient that's been going through this that we've we've interviewed, every patient will express the concern that at the end of the, the virtual hospital experience, it's what they call the cliff edge that being transferred back into primary care. <laughs> yeah. But I think that as time goes on and, and things move forward more, there will be more health monitoring that will be as a matter of course for all sorts of people with all sorts of conditions. I know already that people with heart conditions have probably got monitors now that oh. if, if something spikes, it would alert yeah. you know, the, the hospital or a doctor or somebody. Um, and and they, that's without them having to do anything. Yes. You, know, the, the, you already get that. I have a sleep condition and my sleep device... Uh, can be connected directly to the the sleep clinic. Mm. Turns out mine isn't found out <laughs> because they didn't want to pay the monthly subscription. <laughs> but it, so it sends all my all my sleep stuff up to the cloud, but the hospital doesn't look at it because it costs them money. But but in some instances, I've got a friend who's who's getting treated through another NHS um, area, and his does get monitored um, mm. remotely, so he doesn't have to do anything. It just it, you know they're seeing what his sleep is like every night, mm. and if and, and he said if he's had a few nights he had a problem with his mask it was leaking air he didn't know it was and they contacted him to say we've noticed this problem in your readings and he was amazed that that they they called him and then they said oh we've put another mask in the post to you and he said he didn't do anything about that so yeah these things will get the technology is amazing and smartphones now monitor so much of of one's health mm. and for a while my doctor's surgery was able to track my weight loss without me doing anything because they were getting it through my smartphone i'd given them permission with the app they provided and and they knew all sorts of stuff that i was putting readings for blood pressure and other such things i was monitoring at home into this app uh into the 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 phone's own health app Mm. which then the doctor's surgery because i'd given them permission it Mm. it wasn't that they were spying but suddenly they had all this data on me and on, on, on my health but but then in a in a baffling backward step they turned that off <laughs> oh really yeah yeah it doesn't do it anymore but it used to 
Um, about five years ago, they were getting all of my health data, and I was and I was happy to share it mm. because I thought, well, if they spot something, they will contact me. But there you go, yeah, infinite wisdom, mate. Eh? <laughs> all right, let's move on now. The final thing you want to talk about is is something very very topical now, and it's hay fever. Absolutely. So, and, and really, the hay fever season has been has, has been quite bad this year. Um, so, uh, again, let's let's sort of understand a little bit about why it's why it's quite bad now. Um, and there are a number of environmental factors that that do contribute to this, especially thunderstorms. Um, and I don't know where you're you're listening to this, dear leader, listener, but. Um, uh, in St Albans last night, we had a mega storm. Yeah, this is Tuesday, Tuesday night in St Albans. Tuesday night in St Albans, uh, an absolute mega storm. I looked at the, the BBC weather um, forecast at the time, and it said zero f- probability of, of rain, and it was bucketing it down. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's it's this is this is a little topical. Uh, there was a guy telling me recently he said oh he's got a device and it's really good and it's on his wall uh, in his house and, and he said he's got one in every room of his house and it tells me exactly what's going on outside and I went oh what's that some sort of digital pad he goes no it's a window <laughs> <laughs> but, and I guess if he heard your story he'd go there you go see because the, the technology was saying there was no rain while you were looking at it lashing it down absolutely so so we can see first of all that, that this is a sort of uh, an interesting dynamic in terms of pollen generation. We've got increasing temperatures, we've got higher rain, intense rainfall, um, and extended flowering seasons. So um, all of those are going to have a, an impact on, on pollen production. But, but here's the real thing, particularly after last night's thunderstorm, there's a, pol- there's a process called pollen fragmentation, um, which, which means that the rainwater as it falls um, breaks down the pollen granules into smaller particles so so this is a this is a nasty process because because they're smaller particles a there's more of them and b they can get further up your nose and so and so there's a there's a little bit of a, a dummy whammy here um so uh, what can we do about it well firstly stay away of aware of the pollen count stay indoors when it's high keep your windows and doors closed when whenever possible um, practice good hygiene, frequent flowers, flowers, showers, um, and, and wash your clothes regularly to remove any pollen from you. Um, filters in a car. If you're going on a long journey and I've got an opportunity to put some a filter in your car, that's really helpful. Well, most cars have a an air recirculation button. Even I was using an old a car that was about 14 years old recently, and that had a button on it as well. And and it might look like the outline of a car with with almost what looks like a U-turn arrow within the outline of the car. Yep. And that's about and that, recirculating the air in the car. And that'll stop the pollen coming yeah. out. Yes. Good. And so, yeah, look out for that button in good, your car and good, turn it on. Good thing to use. Yeah. Um, and take your medication, obviously avoid the trishes. Don't, uh, don't go out mowing the lawn at the moment. It's not a good idea. And I guess if it's bad, go and see the pharmacist as well because there might well be things they can, they can sell you that will help... Um, and, and get yeah. that better. Yeah, there are, a lot, there are good over-the-counter medicines. Yeah, for and if it's really bad, get, I guess contact your GP and, and see what can be done um, because some people can be given medication that's probably stronger than what you can get from a pharmacy if it's that yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and some, you can buy very effective nasal sprays over-the-counter that are very good at, at protecting you from hay fever. Yeah. 
I saw a great thing in um, an, a shop. Oh, just a super drug. Uh, I don't know if elsewhere <laughs> sells it, but it was basically a pack of wipes, but they were for your eyes. And it was that the, the, these things were treated in something or other. And I'm sure maybe other, there might be other similar things that would be just as effective. But the, this was to get hay fever. And it said, in particular, wipe it over your eyelids and, and under your eyelids and um, over your nose. Mm. And so, like, this morning I woke up and my eyes were a bit itchy and because I've had a window open, I guess pollen would have come in. Yep. But these wipes were quite good at soothing my eyes. Yes. Because I don't get on too much with those Optrex things that you've got to wash, you know, to wash your eye. Oh, I, I don't like that. <laughs> um, it's impossible to keep your eye open when yeah, you put the stuff in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's just, I don't like, I mean, like, I've never been able to swim and open my eyes underwater. I hate that, <laughs> the, the feeling of that on my eyeballs. Um, but, but these wipes, you don't, you're not wiping your eyeball, you're wiping your eyelids. Yep. And it's your eyelids and your eyelashes where the pollen might might congregate that's and right. make your eyes itchy. And then rubbing it just makes it worse. Yes. So that, that certainly picks it up and clears them away. Yeah. And, the, and the, this this pack was a pound. Mm-hmm. And there were there was something like 100 wipes in there or something. It wasn't very expensive at all. I'm sure maybe other other high street places that, that, that are like Superdrug might also sell them. But that's where I found them. Absolutely. Okay. Plenty available. There you go. And also don't do any housework. Because that's bad for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That generates up the yeah. dust. In fact, to be on the safe side, don't ever do any housework. <laughs> Treat the law in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Just let it grow. <laughs> let it grow. Anyway, uh, don't listen to me on that. But do listen to Alan. He's given some good advice there. And uh, and yes, you can find the article that Alan has put together that, that details all the things he's just mentioned and all the links uh, that he's referred to as well. You can find that article if you go to our website, com, And the link to that article is in the episode notes of this show right now uh alan thank you very much thanks very much danny and look forward to next month yes yes we'll we'll have alan back around about the same time next month uh and uh, yeah that's it for another edition of the st albans podcast thank you for listening later on in the week we've got uh, the film guide with sam she'll be along telling us all about uh, the big new releases in the cinema along with uh, the best films to watch on free to air tv and the new original movies being released on streaming services to boot so that's all on the film guide you can find that where you found this but uh, if you want to know more about what we do, check out our website, stalbanspodcast.com. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the St. Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. Join us, the St. Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views, and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolf. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Heart Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.